baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This is Total Information AM Sunday on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It is 721. Good morning. I'm Scott Jagow. Glad to have you in. We are now joined by John Hancock and Michael Kelly. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, good morning, Scott. All right. Well, let's talk about the Trump arraignment this past week. Um, Give me your basic takeaways before we go any further. Let me start with you, John. Well, I mean, obviously, they're serious charges. I don't think there's a particularly good defense for Donald Trump. A lot of folks have put out argumentation that uh, he shouldn't have been charged with this case. I, I guess the fundamental question and the only question that, that really matters is, was he entitled to possess those documents? If the answer to that is yes, then he should have never been prosecuted. If the answer to that is no, he was not entitled to possess the documents. And I think uh, I think the indictment document spells out precisely uh, the laws that were broken in that process. And I can't imagine any scenario where the, the highest, most top secret documents in the U.S., things about our nuclear program, America's vulnerability to attack our allies' nuclear programs, their vulnerability to attack. Uh, we're told that there are hypothetical battle plans. Uh, among these hundred documents that Donald Trump retained, so you know, I think it's I think it's going to be a very difficult uh, case for Trump to win if the case ever goes to trial. All right, Michael. Yeah, I don't know that I have much to add. Uh, John pretty much summarizes it really well. I think the two takeaways I had is the question of why. Why did he want to hold on to these documents? Was it purely just the ego of this man that we know uh, likes to see his picture on Time magazine, etc.? And then the second thing is, is um, you know, this is not a gleeful time. This is, I mean, this man spent his entire political career saying we ought to lock others up. And unfortunately, uh, it may have been projection uh, because he was ultimately doing the things that he was accused of. But it's not this isn't something to celebrate. This is a sad time for our country, and it's going to be a sad year and a half of going through this. And yet you both have said you think Trump will likely be the 2024 GOP presidential candidate. John, let me ask you, as a Republican, what is it about this guy that people cannot quit? Well, he uh, first of all, he reshaped the Republican Party. The Republican Party was a conservative party in this country. Donald Trump is much more of a populist nationalist than he is a conservative. He has some conservative policies. But not only did he reshape the party, he reshaped the party's electorate. He brought a lot of people into voting Republican who had either never voted Republican before or who had never voted before. And you know, at, at his core, Donald Trump is an entertainer. He, he was a reality television star, and he was a star. And, you know, people show up at those rallies, and they're they're entertained by them. 
He is uh, an anti-politician in the sense that he's unlike anything we've ever seen before in this country. And I think that appeals to a lot of people. And he's got a core of support that is large into the millions. And they uh, they're standing by him. And I think there's probably enough of them that he will prevail in the Republican primaries and caucuses next year. But I, I don't think he can win a general election. If you look at his, you know, some things in politics remain true, even in a changing time. And, and that is when your favorable and unfavorable rating is as far upside down among the general electorate as Donald Trump's is, uh, he, it's going to be very hard for him to win, despite the fact that Joe Biden is also upside down in his favorable, unfavorable rating. And, you know, it could be the fact of the case that Donald Trump is the only Republican that couldn't beat Joe Biden. Right. And and Biden, uh, going back to 2016, let's not forget that the Democrats kind of thought that they couldn't lose to Trump. Uh, Hillary Clinton didn't go to some states where it was close, and Trump ended up winning. So, Michael, let me ask you, Biden held his first rally this week. Democrats have been a little anxious about the lack of urgency so far with his campaign. You don't want to overlook. So what do you think going forward for Biden and his presidential bid? Well, I think the president has an incredible record to run on with uh, Democrats. And, you know, he may benefit from the fact that uh, Donald Trump could be the nominee on the other side. If that's the case, I think this is a quietly different campaign than it would be had he be running against anybody else. I think the president's going to spend a lot of time focusing on his record and delivering for Democratic principled issues. Um, but if he's running against Donald Trump, which it appears that it's going to be, he's going to also have to remind people of the four years of chaos that was Donald Trump and hope that rational Republicans um, come to his side, which is what we've seen in polling. It's what we saw in the previous election. So I think the fact that Donald Trump could be the Republican nominee probably turns us into more of a Rose Garden campaign for uh, Joe Biden than having to do all of the rallies that he's been doing to this point. We'll see. Uh, the president's got a strong record to run on for Democrats. And at the end of the day, the last several campaigns have come about who turns out their people. Uh, I'd much rather be in Joe Biden's position than Donald Trump's when it comes to the general. All right. Switching gears. You guys talked about the live golf PGA combination and how it might affect baseball. John, let me start with you. What do you mean? Well, you're going after this merger. The Justice Department is looking into this merger between the PGA and Live Golf, and they're looking into it from the standpoint of the antitrust provisions in statute. Um, you've seen going back to Teddy Roosevelt's era, the, the trust buster, he was known. The, the government has repeatedly ruled in cases where when AT&T tried to buy T-Mobile, for example, that some corporations are so big that it denies competition in the marketplace. So that's the lens through which they're going to look at this merger. And, you know, baseball has an antitrust exemption. Uh, football has had its antitrust situation studied in the past. So it potentially could have some implications for these other professional sports in the United States. I don't think at the end of the day it's going to affect baseball. Uh, or football. And I don't think at the end of the day, the PGA is going to be found in violation of the antitrust statutes. Anything to add, Michael? 
Yeah, I think the other thing to remember is this isn't the, just the last step the Saudis are going to take. Uh, they've tried this in world soccer. They're now being successful in trying to take over world golf. What's to make you think they're not going to try basketball and the rest of the sports? So I think the fact that the Saudis are involved, um, and there is this question of antitrust, the other sports don't like it because it opens Pandora's box. Um, and it also, whatever rulings come from this, from a Justice Department standpoint or what decisions Congress decides to make, will affect this potential effort that the Saudis have on all of sports. And uh, I think people are naive to think they're going to stop with golf. Uh, they're trying to shift the landscape and the focus of world sport from North America to uh, China and the Middle East. All right, Michael Kelly, John Hancock. Gentlemen, thanks for your thoughts this morning. Peace and love. All right, take care. It is 729. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.